All right, you guys, it's time to get into the creative side of week seven. This time I've decided to create an object lesson for each of the three chapters. So we've got one from three, one from four, and one from five. But I think there's goodness in all of them. My hope here, as always, is not to give you like some rote list. You don't have to follow these exactly. I just hope it inspires you to do creative things to help your kids come closer to these doctrines. There's some beautiful, really relatable principles in this week's study. So I'm hoping these object lessons will help you teach it simply. All right, let me walk you through your supplies first, and then I'll take you to each one specifically to give you the details. The first one I'm calling a directed light activity. I've taken something that we did way back in 2020 and I've revamped it to make it easier and better, but my kids still remembered it from 2020, so I know this is one that lasts. This is basically all you need. You're gonna take the printable that I give you. It will have four components. The printable has a Holy Bible picture. It has one of a Book of Mormon, and then it has these key doctrines on the end. So to create this, you don't need anything other than cardstock and a little bit of glue or tape. And then you also need a flashlight, and I'll tell you why. We're gonna talk about how these incredible gifts of scripture work together to teach truth. And you do it with a simple flashlight. You can use the one on your phone, or ideally have one that your kids can hold, and that's all you need for the first one. Okay, second one. So this one involves a little bit of mess. You might wanna do this in your kitchen or in the kitchen at the church if you're teaching maybe a seminary class, but it packs a punch, you guys. This is when I'm trying to help our kids understand Nephi's psalm, his worries about his own flaws and sins and weaknesses and what he does to lift, what he, where he turns when he's feeling those low feelings. Because I think, frankly, our teenagers and us, we feel this all the time, where we feel disconnected and low, and we need to teach our kids how to find lift. And it's really simple and really wet. So for this object lesson, you just need a clear vase, kind of like this. It doesn't matter if it's straight or if it's fluted or if it's wide at the bottom, it doesn't really matter. You just want one that's clear so you can see through it. You don't want it too big, I would say. Ideally find one that's about this size or smaller. You could also maybe use a large mason jar. You just wanna find one that has a wide mouth if you can, cause then it'll work a little bit better. And then you need a few supplies. So on your kitchen counter, you're gonna need a big bowl, like a mixing bowl. You're also gonna need a cookie sheet rack. You know the ones that you like put hot cookies onto, a cooling rack? You need one of those, and then you're gonna set your base on top. Then you also need a pitcher full of hot water and a lot of ice. For us, I just pulled the whole ice maker out of the freezer and it gave us plenty to work with. That's your second one. Third one, this is from chapter five. This is where you see the Lamanites being cut off and you see very fast the ramifications of that choice when they choose to rebel against God and they break their covenants and they reject the prophet, they are cut off. And I think what's powerful about five is you see the contrast. You see what happens to the Lamanites and you see what happens to those who follow Nephi. And the way you can teach this principle is really simple. This is a sticky one that can get hard. The verses themselves can be hard to understand. So I wanted some way to really get into these verses in a way that was softer and more understandable. And to do that, you just need a plant. So I went, because it's Valentine's, I was like, oh, you could probably just go grab a pack of cut flowers. You know, they should all be on clearance by Saturday, you guys. So if you are if you wanna go grab a pack of like a bouquet of flowers, you could, or you could just take a house plant like this. Um, you just want something that's got life in it um, and something you don't mind cutting a little bit. So for me, I went to Walmart and bought one for $7, but you could take one of your house plants, like this one behind me would work just fine as well. You just want something that's living in a pot if you can. And if you can't find that, then just get some cut flowers. And I'll walk you through how that can help you see and understand the distinction between being cut off and being close to the Lord. Okay, get those supplies on hand, you guys, and then come on back and I'll teach you how to pull them off.
the very fact that we've spent the last two years doing deep dives into the Old Testament and the New Testament should be a testimony to your kids about how much we revere the Bible. It is the Word of God as far as it is translated correctly, and we treasure it, we study it, and we learn from it. Thankfully, we also have other scripture. We have the Book of Mormon and revealed doctrines from the Doctrine and Covenants and other places that we can look to, like the Pearl of Great Price, to help us get more understanding and to fill in some gaps. And I think what Lehi points out, or I guess more specifically what Joseph in Egypt points out, this book that comes forth will do five big things. So if you go in the notes or in the verses, you can see these five things. It says, as these two books work together, they will confound false doctrines, they will lay down contentions, they'll establish peace, bring a knowledge of the fathers, and bring a knowledge of the covenants. These are huge blessings that the Lord is hoping to offer all of his children. And when they have these books of scripture in their hands, they can access those blessings if they live according to them. So I think it's really critical that we help our kids see this clearly. There's a beautiful talk from Tad Callister. It might even be linked in the Come Follow Me manual this week. I, I can't remember where I saw it, but it's in the margins of my digital scriptures. And he talks about points. And if you draw through a dot. Remember that object lesson he had where it's like, if you draw through a dot, you can make it go in any direction. And if you have two points, then you, it only can go straight. We're kind of creating that same object lesson, but in a more visual way. So basically you're going to take the printable. It looks like this. You're going to create a Holy Bible, a Book of Mormon, and a doctrine card. On the doctrine card, you're going to see several possible doctrines about baptism that could be understood through scripture. You know, about whether infants need baptism, whether you need priesthood to perform a baptism, those baptism, those kind of things are laid out here in these little circles on the end. What your kids are trying to do is to figure out truth. How do you figure out what is true? Of all these doctrines, they often conflict with each other, so which one is true? And the way we do that is through the scriptures. So when you first begin, you're actually only going to glue on the Holy Bible at the beginning, and you're going to dim the lights in the room, and you're going to let your kids shine a light through that hole. It's not hard, you're just going to punch a hole through that. There's a little spot on the printable where you punch a hole, and then I give you this base piece so that you can get these all perfectly aligned. So once they're, that Holy Bible and those doctrines cards are glued in place, let your kids shine a light through the Bible. And what they'll see is how the Bible illuminates truth. Like it, it opens up so that we can see and read truth. What's hard about using just that one checkpoint is that you can actually see a lot of different truths as true. You know, if I just use the Bible, I can tilt that light. So this is when you're going to take the flashlight in your hands and encourage your kids to like change the angle. Because if they change the angle different directions, they can actually make any of those circles about the doctrines of baptism light up. They can adjust it and see that the one that you don't need priesthood or that you don't need immersion, those things can light up if we only have this one gateway to go through. So that's when you give them the second gateway. This is when you take your Book of Mormon piece and you glue it into the center. It has a hole in the exact same spot, and now you're going to shine your light through both. And as you shine your light through both, you'll see that you can't get anything else to illuminate except for the doctrine that is true. That doctrine that's right in the center on the top that says baptism needs to be by immersion illuminates, and nothing else can. Even if your kids tilt their flashlights around, they can't see anything else because the light is traveling through both of those checkpoints. And when it goes through both, we have an understanding of what is true. And that's what I wanted my kids to grasp, that we revere the Bible. We study it intensely. We search it. Our prophets quote from it. We love the Bible. We also love the Book of Mormon and what it offers as another testament of Jesus Christ. That it offers clarifying doctrine, not just on baptism, but on the atonement of Jesus Christ, on grace, on 
how the Lord feels about us and covenant relationships, that comes from our connection with the Book of Mormon. So we need both. And hopefully this object lesson will help you teach that. I would tell you that if you wanted to make this ahead of time in class, you also can glue on the Book of Mormon piece and then just sort of fold it down as you're doing the object lesson. You can't fold it fully or it'll push the Bible forward, but it, it can kind of get tucked out of your way so that you can demonstrate it over and over again if you want. The other addition to the printable that I give you is a second page that has empty circles. So if you were in a seminary class or a class where you have a little more time on your hands, you could encourage your kids to make their own conflicting doctrine cards. Like what are some things that other people believe by only having the Bible? And what does the Book of Mormon add to our understanding about those things? Hopefully it gives you a chance to kind of troubleshoot that and let them practice this effort of looking through both scripture to find out what is true. You just want to make sure that the true one is always right here in the center on the top because that's where the light will hit. All right, that's it for that one, you guys. The second object lesson was inspired by Will <laughs> in our family at Kampalmi. They, they don't do my object lessons. They have to come up with their own. And this is one of Will's. So I thought it deserved a place right here. It really does apply beautifully to Nephi. He was teaching it for a different purpose, but I like using it for this one. Basically what we see with, in chapter four is Nephi struggling under the burdens of what is on his shoulders. And he, he calls out to the Lord. You know, he, he's studying the scriptures and he says, oh, wretched man that I am. You know that psalm that he sings or teaches us. And he struggles with his own weaknesses, his own sins that easily beset him. We don't know what those sins are, but he's mortal just like the rest of us. And he has mistakes that are frustrating him, especially when he reads the scriptures and see, sees what he wants to be. I think he's, he's struggling with that divine discontent. For me, the way you can demonstrate how to resolve that, you can use Nephi's verses and use this object lesson at the same time. So basically, first you're going to talk about some of the weights that would have been on Nephi's shoulders. So if you think about things, I lay out a bunch of these in the notes, but his dad recently died. His dad was his ally and his mentor and the leader of the people. So now all of that weight is falling on Nephi's shoulders. He has an abusive history with his brothers who are now he doesn't have his dad to get in the middle of that anymore, and that must be incredibly hard. He's got a history of when his dad's not around, his brothers come after him, and that's hard. I think he knows that his brothers now don't just want to get rid of him, but want to kill him and potentially harm his family. Because Nephi ends up making swords of his own patterned after Laban's swords so that he can defend his family. So there's big threats happening here. I also think he's probably wrestling with insecurities about his own connection to God. Like all of us do when we have a big new calling on our shoulders. He knows how much he needs God. And so he has these worries. As you're talking about all these worries, and there's probably several others, I want you to fill up your vase with ice. Those ice, the ice cubes represent the weights that we feel as the world fills us with doubts and fears and legitimate insecurities about what we have to accomplish. So as you're talking about Nephi's issues, fill up this vase with ice. You want it as full as you can. And then you're going to talk about how Nephi remedied the situation. He doesn't stay in this state where he's full of ice and cold and feeling disconnected. He chooses to do two big things. First, he looks back. I love the way I break this down in the verses in the notes if you want to read them one by one, but I love the way he approaches things. So if you go from like 19 to 25, you're going to hear how he looks back on how the Lord has taken care of him all this time. You know, he talks about the promises and the blessings and the ways the Lord has visited him and reached out to him in hard moments. There's something powerful about casting your mind back. 
For me, this is when you take that hot pitcher of water and you start to pour it over the ice. You're just gonna fill it up to the rim and you'll see that that hot water reacts to the ice and the ice starts to melt. Doesn't fully go away yet, but it's starting to loosen and break up and you can see hope, right? You can start to see this clear glass form again. But it's not enough just to cast our mind back. Nephi takes it one more step forward. And this is when he makes proactive choices to believe that with the Lord's help, he can do all things. So this is like from 26 or so on. This is when you see Nephi ask his soul to awake. The verses are so good. You just have to read them as you do this. But he doesn't just remember. He also looks forward and he starts to make steps forward. He doesn't wait for the Lord to fix all his problems first. He trusts that the Lord will fill him. In fact, the verse that I love in this one is when he talks about how he is filled with the Lord's love. That the fact that the Lord's love fills him allows him to shed all of this ice. So this is when you're going to take your warm pitcher one more time and you're going to dump it. Just dump it. You guys, the reason it's sitting on a bowl with a you know, a cookie sheet thing underneath it is so that the water can get collected in the bowl below it, but it's going to overflow and spill out. It's the only way to get rid of the ice. What I found is in my life, this is how it works for me. If I am struggling under insecurities or I feel like the world is beating me up, one of the best ways I've found is first to cast my mind back on how the Lord never abandons me and then to move forward in faith and let his love fill me. For me, that means I turn to the scriptures. I listen to the words of prophets that promise me things. I go to the temple. I pray and I ask for God's love to fill me up because the promise is, you guys, the more warm water you pour in here, eventually the ice can't stay. It either melts or it topples out because the water is heavier and denser and it it can last. And so I'm hoping that as your kids see this over and over again, maybe you do it a second time talking about their own struggles. You know, we use Nephi as a template. Maybe do the exact same object lesson again and let them put their own ice in the jar and talk about what's hard. Talk about how looking back fills that jar up to the brim and starts to melt the ice and how getting a heaping dose of God's love poured into you can take care of everything else. And then you can have a Nephi-like confidence in Christ that will give you the strength to move forward in faith. I'm not going to lie. There's some really sticky verses at the end of these chapters where you see the curse that befalls the Lamanites because they've made choices to rebel against God. That curse is a separation from God. The sign of the curse is the skin of blackness or darkness that comes on them. And this is one of those verses that gets people all riled up, right? It's one of the verses I think you have to take in the context of the rest of the Book of Mormon, where the Lord says over and over again that all men can come unto him, black and white, bond and free, male and female. We get all tripped up on it, but I actually think there's a lot more depth to this than sometimes we give it credit for. What I like is you have a contrast. You don't just hear about this curse of separation being separated from God that hits the Lamanites because of their choices. You also hear about the blessings that come to those who stay connected to God. And that's what chapter five is all about. Chapter five is all about the blessings that come to Nephi's people and the happiness they find by staying rooted in truth, staying close to the Lord. In fact, Nephi even says that the Lord was among them, that there's something about his presence that is close. And I want my kids to understand the difference. I was listening to a podcast this week, it's called Talking Scripture, and I liked his take on, on this, this cursing that happens, the sign of the curse, that he said, we run the risk of seeing this like Nicodemus does, where 
he takes the words of the Savior so literally that he thinks he's supposed to go back in his mother's womb. And I think sometimes we can do that with these verses. Like we talked about in the past, this can't be about race, right? This is Laman and Lemuel and Nephi all come from the same parents. They are literally brothers. In fact, we know that when people choose to come back to God later in the Book of Mormon, that curse, the sign of that curse falls from them. As they come close to God, that curse goes away. I read lots of theories out there. There were some theories about it being a skin disease of some kind, all kinds of them. But I think what's probably most valuable and applicable for us is to see it as a spiritual darkness that sets in. And the way you can demonstrate that is with this simple object lesson. So basically, you just want to hold up a plant, you guys. It's nothing fancy. Take a plant that has, ideally, if it has some blooms on it, it's a little easier to walk through the object lesson. And you want to ask them, what would happen if I cut off one of these blooms. So with Violet, I brought this home from Walmart and she loved it, right? Cause she's 10 and she's in charge of a Valentine's party and she loved the roses. And I was like, right, we got to cut one of those off. And she's like, no, her first reaction was like, no. In fact, she didn't want me to cut any of the pretty ones off. She wanted them to bloom and thrive on the, on the little mini bush here. And I was like, no, we got to cut one off for this object lesson. So I made her take scissors and cut it off. And I was like, okay, what's going to happen to this Plant, especially if we don't put it in a little vase of its own. If we just let this rosebud as it is stay, what happens? And she's like, well, it'll get dried out. It'll get kind of brittle and this the leaves will lose all their color and the petals will lose their color. They'll get darker and then it kind of crumbles in your hands. And, I, and then I could teach her about being connected to the true vine because basically that's what happens with us. It happens over and over again, Old Testament, New Testament, Book of Mormon, even in the Doctrine and Covenants. Whenever we choose to cut ourselves off from the true vine, we wither because there is no way to survive just like this. There is no way to pull the nutrients and the strength and the help we need on our own. What I love is I, particularly myself, as I, if I was teaching, especially younger kids, I wouldn't focus so much on the curse or the sign of the curse of separation from God, as much as I would focus on what creates happiness. So this is when you bring this same plant back again, and you talk about what makes these buds thrive, where this one will shrivel and die, what allows these ones to stay strong. And so you can talk about the soil, and you can talk about the sun and the water that they'll get. And then you can take those same principles and apply it to what you find from Nephi's people. I break all this down in the notes for you, but you can see industry being something that keeps them thriving. You can see being connected to family and keeping covenants as a way to pull strength from those roots and get nutrients back in. You can see that they built temples and that they took care of their family and they prepared. Like I break this all down. There's a great um, article. I think it was originally a BYU devotional, but you can find it in the Enzyme from 2002. I think it's in the notes, but he breaks down a whole bunch of the things that they did to live after the manner of happiness and then applies it to us, how we can choose those same key concepts that Nephi demonstrates to find happiness and, and sustainability in our world, how we can stay deeply rooted in this gospel of Jesus Christ and what it offers us long-term as we stay connected. So hopefully this object lesson will help you teach it. That's it for week seven, you guys. I hope you enjoy these scriptures. Their chapters aren't long. It's understandable and it's rich, especially if you're feeling any kind of struggle in your life right now, I think seeing the examples of Lehi and Nephi and even the hard examples of Laman and Lemuel help you know where to turn. If you struggle, please open up the notes. There are dozens of pages to help you 
connect these verses with the words of modern prophets and apostles, women leaders of the church, they are rich with guidance. So I hope you'll open those up. You can find those and the printables if you're members of the course over at gather.macmom.com. But if you can't get into the course or you don't want to be a subscriber, you can also often find the printables on my Etsy shop. So for example, this one this week, since I know it's one that a lot of you will want to use, I'll throw this on the Etsy shop as well. Just search MacMom on Etsy and you can find it. But otherwise, I hope you enjoy this week's study. If you need extra help, come join me on the live. Gather.MacMom.com. We have a live every Monday morning, 10 o'clock Mountain Time, where we chat through some of the doctrines I couldn't quite fit in here and answer any questions you might have about the object lessons. So it's a good place to connect. It's built sort of like a Zoom call. So it's not... It's not live like on Instagram. It's more of like an institute class. It's a way to, to gather and share your thoughts. So I hope you join us. If you want to find it, go over, become a free member, and then just click RSVP for the live, and you'll get a, a little notification to pop up as soon as it's available. But otherwise, enjoy your week, you guys, and I'll see you next week as we head into week eight. Mm -hmm.